Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. This week, we are reading Mistborn, the Hero of Ages, chapters 53, 54, 55, and 56, wherein Spook talks to Beldry, Vin talks to Yeoman, Spook talks to Beldry some more, and Ellen talks to a ghost, a soon-to-be-dead ghost, I guess, is what we learn. I am Data, and with me is... Jamie. Joe. And Dak. We are approaching, I think, Sander Lanch territory here. It's the, 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 These are set up chapters, but I think we're getting there. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust, the foundations of our hope begin to rust. Choking fear, screaming sound, as a reaper comes to ground. Turn to face it down because you must And when the world is starts to burn At the point of no return Keep a hold of the conviction Tear at the affliction Before the world turns black Stand up and take it back So yeah, like I said, we're setting up to start knocking things down basically what did you guys think of these four chapters this week i really enjoyed these i when we first started and i was like oh it's spook and beldry i was a bit like oh here we go (laughs) i'm pleased that they actually had a proper conversation and yeah i i've i've formed some opinions that we'll talk about at the end about um beldry but i i thought it was sort of good to have that interaction where she was actually engaged in the conversation, despite not having any real action or anything. I really enjoyed the encounter between Ellen and the Mist Ghost. I thought that was quite good. And then with the revelations of the the um, epigraph after it, like that was uh, that that was the moment that I was like, oh my god, things are about to just go to hell. Not that they're already not going to hell, but it, it's going to escalate from here for sure. I thought. Yeah, the Vin and Yeoman discussion was was interesting. And, yeah, Yeoman's, I guess, a little bit more terrifying than what I originally thought he would be as well. And the guards moving around uh, for, in Urtau, obviously there's a lot happening there too, which is all yeah, – you're right, they're definitely very much set up chapters this week. So I think we're, we're about to see some stuff happen really quickly. I mean we're not we're not at the last two chapters, so we're not quite at the Sandalanch. <laughs> but um we will start to see see things happen for sure. But I I've really enjoyed these these chapters this week. Yeah, I really when I was setting up what chapters we were reading, I'm like, we have to we have to read we, we have to be able to read this epigraph right after we finish the chapter because it's not nearly as impactful if you don't get the epigraph right after the Ellen chapter. And to find out what yeah, the heck absolutely. just happened. Uh, yep. Yep. And I was like, oh, they finally found a way to communicate with this thing. Oh, he's dead now. Yeah, he's dead now. Yeah. <laughs> and of course. Yeah. But, I mean, I really liked the bit about the, you know, if he'd stuck around, there would have been a body fall from the sky, you know. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so it is it is like this this manifestation of a person. It is, it's an extension of a person. Okay. And then we've got the thing about Ruin's body. The Ruin's body's hidden. So, yeah, I don't know. I thought it, in general the epigraphs this week were quite good. And I'm I'm really loving in this book that they're actually 
tying in to what we're reading, even though like they they seem to be written after the fact. When you're when we read the, the first two books, you were piecing together information, but it was almost information of a separate story that eventually would just make sense. Yeah. Or or not. Um, <laughs> depending on what we took away from it at the end. But I love that we're getting these little bits of information that are actually relevant to what we're reading at the time. It's just it's putting things into a bit more perspective. You're getting more answers. You know, I, I think there's a lot of information in these in these epigraphs that if we didn't have that information, we wouldn't be forming opinions yeah. based on what's in the chapters. We would just miss some things entirely. And I think it's it, it works really well hand in hand this book yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of stuff that there's like really it would be really hard for us to know anything about like ruin and preservation at all if it weren't for the epigraphs because who the heck is alive that knows any of this stuff exactly yeah yeah good setup chapters this week excited to uh see where they're going to go getting closer to hopefully the start of the sanderlanch um i the spook beldre stuff you know it's it's leveling out. It's not quite as creeptastic, which is good, right? Because you want you want the guy to, you know, not be so creepy. So that's 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 great. And um, the Ellen chapter, I think the Ellen chapter where he meets uh, preservation is probably one of my favorite chapters uh, in the book so far. I know it's it's not super long and it's not super super poignant. He doesn't get a lot out of it. But then the following epigraph that we read, like Jamie was saying, it's just such a such a really good chapter to kind of have like some of the things that we've been thinking, been wondering about. Um, they're confirmed. I feel like in this moment, so it was it was a nice payoff. I feel like for us, um, I really enjoyed that. And then the Yeoman, you know, Yeoman Vin stuff. Look, there's obviously something wrong with Yeoman. He's got some kind of mental issues, a little unstable. He's obviously a zealot, and zealots, zealots' villains are actually pretty, can be pretty cool in fiction, just because they have, their motives are, are something above and beyond what the protagonist can really understand, because they don't understand their ideology completely. But Vin seems to think he has some ulterior motives, so I guess we'll, we'll find out. But yeah, uh, I actually really enjoyed uh, most of the chapters. I was wondering how you'd feel about the Ellen one, because it at least it starts out, you, you were kind of the last Ellen chapter was kind of a downer for you. You're like, it's so just depressing. And this one starts out kind of depressing because he's just like, I, I give up, basically. And so I was wondering what, you, what you'd take from that. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a big turn, though. And, and Sazed even, yeah. well, I'm I'm assuming Sazed. Sazed points it out in the epigraph. He's just like... All ran, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all ran. It's like, this is a turning point. It's like he may have laid down in the ash and, and just given up right there. but And I think that's another reason why I like it so much. It's because we have this this guy who doesn't know what to do, and then he kind of figures it out. He figures out this puzzle piece that Vin, bless her, she she wouldn't have figured it out. Mm. You know, so it's it's just uh, it, was, it was a really cool moment. I feel like. Yeah, I agree. And it yeah, there's there's some stuff like we talked about with Vin when she's examining the plate, and it turns out there's like this secret riddle there that she can never figure out because that's not her her bag. There's some stuff that you need Ellen for and some stuff that you need Vin for. It's like you talked about last time where they each have separate kind of missions. Yeah, I'll agree with the other guys. The Ellen and preservation chapter was the highlight. I don't remember. I don't know if you, if uh, either of the others called the Miss Ghost was preservation. I never did. So as soon as I read that, I'm just like, oh, God, it was staring us in the face the whole time. How did I miss that? So that that, that was kind of cool. I'm sorry that, he's, that it's gone now. That one was cool. I loved the conversation with Vin and Yeoman. 
Like that was really cool. I think Yeoman's a pretty a really cool villain or antagonist, I guess. Like I'm enjoying seeing him just go, yeah, I'm gonna do this legally. I'm the king. I can do what I want, but it's legal because I'm the king. <laughs> so, yeah. so it was that was just a really good conversation. Yeoman's had his conversations with Ellen before. We haven't seen him sit down with Vin till now, so that was really interesting. He's just he's taking no chances. He's being very careful, so that's really cool. Book and Belcher chapters kind of just washed over me a bit. I'm like, all right. Yep, cool. Get on with it. Like, there's some good story beats in there. Like, but I'm just, at this stage, I'm just like, all right. I feel like we've been we're circling a bit in Urto. I think we need to get on with it. So it's cool if we're approaching Sandlands territory there. That's yeah. I'm still hoping Ten soon just comes in and blows that whole thing wide open. So <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, the um the Yeoman and Preservation chapters were the highlights this week. Okay. Yeah. It, it's definitely interesting because of how much uh, the spook Beldry thing we've not been in love with so far that this time we get two chapters that's almost all them. But like Jamie said, it, at least it's like it's like them actually having a conversation and not spook being a creepy freak. So which is worthwhile. But I think at this yeah. point I've just been so like, oh, really, with this whole relationship <laughs> between the two, it's like now it just feels like, all right, you're putting a Band-Aid on it. I'm still convinced she's a bad guy. So this is just like trying to. No, oh, she's sweet and innocent, and then you won't see the knife coming. Mm, yeah, if she's if she's really the power in Urto, I will hold on to that one. That's the new volcano. Yeah, I mean she's been stuck in this basement for a while, so she, she hopefully she left some good orders behind. If that's the ca- fact or the case, rather. Okay, let's. Uh, she might let's... be a chess master. She might have countered on that. Ooh, yeah, she's 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 playing a very long game. Could be. Yeah, she's successfully. Hit, seducing spook if that's part of the thing although you did it, it she's trying way harder than she needs to if that was the goal so. <laughs> crisscross okay okay getting into the chapter so yeah i i agree that this, this is where i think the epigraphs they've been really interesting this book i think this is where they start getting particularly interesting because of uh what we start finding out about ruin and preservation and how all this kind of came uh, came about in the first place but there's uh, also, also so dense like in the last couple of books the epigraphs were like a line a piece maybe maybe it maybe you get a paragraph and this one you're getting massive chunks each time it's like holy shit yeah the the, the time that joe's writing them down <laughs> i know that's what i was about to say i chose the wrong book to write them down verbatim <laughs> i think it would be really good like in the last two books you kind of get the passages where it puts them all back together and then you can read them in order like part of me is like i would really like to just read that all as its own chapter and just really, once we finish the book, just really absorb the rest of that information. Because I'm sure there's stuff from earlier chapters in the epigraphs that we've just missed or glossed over or it'll come back in the end. But I was like, this is this is a, some writing of we assume is sazed. I would really like to read that and see what that looks like at the end. So. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you can do what I do and just uh, go to the Wikipedia entry for epigraph from the Hero of Ages. And there's just... <laughs> A oh. nice list of them all in a row. Okay, well, we get to the end of the book and we're allowed to do that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, exactly. Sure. <laughs> so the first one is about the pact between ruin and preservation. It is a thing of gods and difficult to explain. So what it boils down to is that uh, neither ruin or preservation can create because creation is not an act of pure ruining or pure preserving. They have to work together. So they had to make a deal. It says Ruin eventually acquired the ability to end the world, but that wasn't part of the original plan. 
So I, I think we kind of talked about that before when we were talking about ruin and preservation. And you're like, neither of these things seems like they can do some of the things that we've seen. And it kind of lays it out here where it's like, again, yeah, neither of them can create. They only can, yeah. they have to work together to create something. It's like preservation is preserving what's there. Ruin is ruining what's there. There's, there's got to be something there, guys. Come on. Yeah. No, this, this all makes sense. I was, I'm glad we got the explanation there. Yeah. To me, it's like an explanation of, it's like basically neither one of them can create a life cycle. Right. So it's like preservation might be able to create a stone, but he can't create a body that decays. So I guess that's that's like where ruin comes in. Yeah. And I mean, even just if you want to. Yeah. If you want to go from preservation to anything normal, like just even regular change, that's not preservation that if something changes, you're kind of ruining something to make something else. So there's it's a weird balance, I guess you have to strike in order to make something interesting. Uh, so Spook walks up and Beldry's hanging out by the underground lake. I like that he's I, I, for some reason I really like the conversation about the tea that uh, I'll, I'll I'll skip around a little bit. But he's like, here, have some tea. And she's like, oh, this is good. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's the Lord Ruler's personal blend for all we know. We found it down here with all the other shit. Lord Ruler was actually a tea snob. It could be. You never know. Damn it, Carl. I said lemongrass. <laughs> I like to think that on a Sunday afternoon, Lord Ruler would sit up in his tower with his Inquisitors and just sit down for a nice spot of tea and a scone by the fire or something. That would be lovely. How <laughs> very civilized. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be like, tea, Earl, me, hot. <laughs> I also like that as he's talking to her and he, he, he can't figure out what to say, he's like, Kelsier, please tell me what to do. But Kelsier does not get involved here. And, uh, there's actually what does ruin know about picking up chicks. Well, and that's the thing. There's that's I think the only yeah. thing I'm going to pick out of the the annotations here is that uh, Brandon says, quote unquote, Kelsey or can't help spook with relationship advice, which is telling ruin does not understand relationships at all. It's one of his main weaknesses. Like any true evil. He can't understand love. <laughs> Voldemort. Yep. There he is. Yep. It's a magic. He never understood. What love. is this thing you humans call love? <laughs> <laughs> there you go, oh, getting it in early. Yep, getting Futurama going. There we go. Also, like, it, does he say that out loud or does he think it? Because we're not, st- we're still not sure if he can, if Rue and Kelsier can even hear. Spook That's thoughts. true. No, he does not say that out loud. That would be weird. As he's sitting next to Beldry and she's talking to him, he's like, Kelsier, tell me what to do. Hey, man, I wouldn't put it past the guy. Yeah. And then we find out a little bit about Beldry's history that she was, I guess, ra- raised as a noble woman. And she's like a good little noble girl. And it uh, it turns out that she's not pure noble. She finds out like just a couple years ago and they were going to execute her if the Lord Ruler hadn't fallen. Yeah, good little noble girl. That's the title of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I mean, you got to feel a little bit sorry for her. She's like, what do you do when the priest that you've been paying to tutor you since you were a child, people you trusted more than your own parents come to take you away for execution? And she's yeah, like, I just, I just went with them. That's definitely rough. Can you imagine you're like first grade teacher and then they, for some reason they continue to teach you all throughout your life. And then they're like, Hey, uh, I got to take you to go get killed. Be like, Oh, okay. No, no. <laughs> but she didn't say no. She was like, okay, I guess if, if that's what you want. It's like, no, maybe I shouldn't have led with that. Let's go for ice cream and murder. Uh, what was the second part? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> What, what flavor is this ice cream poison? I mean, 
Oh, yep. There you go. Make it easy. Yeah. It's cursed. <laughs> but you get your choice of topping. The topping. The topping is also cursed. Actually, the toppings contain potassium benzoate. Yeah, which is bad. Which That's is bad. bad. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and then Spook starts to talk about himself and how he came into the crew by accident, basically. Which is, I guess, kind of fair and kind of not fair, given that we know how it happened. That it was like, invite clubs. And then Docs is like, hey, he has a relative who's a Tina. You want to invite him, too? And Kelsier's like, yeah, invite him, too. So it's not 100% that he's only there because of his uncle, but it's kind of that way. I mean, let's let's face it. He's the afterthought. Yeah. So he's not totally wrong, but he's playing himself I, down. I think he, he probably feels more strongly about it, just given that he wasn't so much involved. He was an observer. He was set to do the spying, and, like, he wasn't sort of that main player, I guess, in the crew to begin with. So he's taken these bits of information that he feels, even though he doesn't know what happened on the other side of conversations. You know, if you already feel a bit down about how your involvement went, you got to go, well, yeah, I was I was the afterthought. I was I was there because I was with clubs, not because I was there of my own merit. Right. Yeah. All those pep talks that Kelsey gave Vin turns out he should have saved one for Spook. Eh, you know, probably. Kelsey can only do so much for you. Yeah, I mean, wasn't with the pep talk. I mean, come on. <laughs> hey, Kelsey understood <laughs> the slang. He could have made the pep talk into the slang. It's true. We don't want to encourage that sort of behavior in Spook. Uh, yeah, okay, fair point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's putting himself down. He's like, yeah, you know, Say's just really in charge here, and Breeze is also higher up than me. They just let me do the stuff that they don't want to do. And then we get into the conversation about Vin and Ellen, which I think is a really cute thing, where he's just like, oh, my gosh, don't don't get me started on those two. They're, Ellen is like this forgetful scholar who sets his me- meetings and forgets about them, only dresses with any fashion sense because a terrorist woman bought him a new wardrobe. It's it, 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 it's it's fun that uh, that perspective on them, which is not completely wrong. But <laughs> burn emperor have no fashion sense. Yeah, I'll say these things when he's not here. Right, uh, exactly. Ellen, like you know, shows up with Ham, and uh, he hears Spook talk bad about him. He turns to Ham. He's like, "Well, um, you know what we have to do." Ham's like, "Oh, really? We gotta execute him?" Yeah, I don't like it either. Is, but <laughs> he made fun of me. Can't can't have that. We do find out that it's Spook's grandfather, who was actually um, a nobleman. I think I think we probably could have uh, – I don't, I don't remember if we discussed it before, but I, th- I think it was pretty obvious if those two were his parents in that flashback that neither one of them was a noble, so – Makes sense. But when it comes to Vin, he's like, Vin, she's – yeah, she's something else. Also, I tried to uh, court her one time, which I find interesting. He's like, I tried to court her once, and it says, and it says really? Beldry said, perking up. She's like, oh, this is interesting. I want some of the the gossip from the emperor's court. And then he's like, oh, I'm just, you know, so forgettable. And she's like, I don't think you're forgettable. Of course, I'd like you more if you let me go instead of keeping me prisoner. But... <laughs> that reminds me of the time I told some lady at work that I was extremely forgettable. Oh, uh, yeah. We've had that story on the show. It's, right? a, it's a really awkward thing to say to somebody. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's par for the course with old spook, right? She seems into it. Of course, if if Dak is right, then she's just playing into what Spook wants here. And she's like, oh, maybe I'll, like, flirt with him a little bit. Yeah, or it's Stockholm Syndrome, you know? Yeah. And uh, so Spook promises that he'll try to not kill her brother, which, you know, what, what more can you ask from a guy? That's the, the I never make a more so, solid promise than that. Okay, I'll try not to murder him. 
fine. This is really how good relationships are formed. Yeah. yeah I'll try not to kill your sibling. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ellen, Vin. Uh, Vin made no such promise. Exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and if she had, she would have broken it. Well, right. That's why the Inquisitors killed Reen. They're just like, maybe this will work. Get her, on her, get, her, yeah. get her on our side. Tried not to kill Zane. She was like, hey, I'm breaking up with you. This doesn't need to be a whole thing. We can still be friends. And he was like, oh, no, I'm going to murder you now. Yeah. I'm going to stab you in the boob because that's my thing. Yeah, apparently. Oh. Uh, and uh, and then they have they have their little moment where she's like, maybe once we're done, you can introduce me to the Emperor and the Empress. They sound interesting. Yeah, they definitely are. <laughs> and then we cut to Spook. He's gone to see Dern, and Dern's like, okay, so I want a title from the Emperor and trade contracts on all the canals. Uh, and I like how Spook feels it necessary to insult him for some reason. I don't even know why this is included in this book. It's just so randomly mean. He's like, you think a lord is going to make you in front of your name is going to make you less ugly? Ha 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 ha. Come on. That's like when uh, when Ellen goes to that party and insults the obligator's looks. It's like, oh, Yeoman, you're so ugly with your face tattoos. It's like, also, Spook, you need this guy. Don't piss him off. He, Dern doesn't seem to take it too badly. So, But it's just like, that is that really necessary? Of. That's true. He might, be, he might be remembering that. It's like one of those Telltale games where it's like, Dern will remember that. <laughs> I hate oh, those Spook games. Into, into the canal and just like, remember when you called me ugly? Boom. Now who's ugly? survivor get you some scars like kelsier's then you can be a real survivor oh look the survivor of the flames drowned <laughs> irony Spook just walks up to people he's just like you want to know how i got these scars <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean he's he's got the enhanced eyesight maybe he's talking from the look to these guys everyone's ugly <laughs> i could see your skin cells yeah that doesn't go well for anybody uh, but they're talking about how they want to make sure that uh, the canals are evacuated before the water mysteriously comes back, which I'm glad somebody thought of that because there's lots of people hanging out in those at all times. And then they go around and uh, start drinking to build Spook's rep to the survivor down with Quellian. Yay, free beer for everyone. And when everyone starts looking at him and admiring him, there's that Kelsier voice like they love you. You deserve it. And Spook's like, yeah, I do. And that's where the chapter ends. <laughs> The kid's getting what he wants. It's not good when uh, when you know that something bad is behind that. So we get the next epigraph, which is like uh, we find out even more about how kind of things came to be. Preservation wanted to create sentient life, but in order to make people sentient, aware, independent, he had to give up some of himself to put in each of them, which we've talked about that, where hemolurgy like steals on regular people, steals the piece of preservation within them. So now we know kind of, I guess, more about why that's there. That leaves him, but giving up that piece of himself makes him a little bit weaker than Ruin. Not a lot, but enough that over the course of millennia, or eons, as this says, the difference would allow Ruin to win and end the world. So that's the, that's the agreement they have. Preservation gets mankind, and Ruin gets proof in this imbalance between them is his proof that he'll eventually be able to destroy the world. So it's a win-win, except that uh, preservation eventually breaks that deal. Man, nobody likes a Welcher, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe humanity would appreciate him in this case, just saying. Well, how long, I mean, I guess we don't know. It's like, how long has Skadriel been spinning, you know? It's like, maybe it's just it's time. Maybe I'm with Ruin on this one. (laughs) Well, They they created uh, humanity and I think even the planet together. Uh, with this as part of the deal that 
eventually it would wind down and Rune would get to end it. So, yeah, yeah. technically. I, I, I only built the sandcastle so I could kick it over, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess if the, the, the two people or beings who got together and created the whole thing, if they're like, okay, mm-hmm. it's officially supposed to end at this time, then, yeah, I guess in a way it is uh, it's time. The bill yeah. has come due as... Uh, <laughs> Ruin's standing next to the big red button in his evil lair, looking at his watch, just going, where the hell is he? He said this was time. <laughs> Some gods just want to watch the world burn. That, that, <laughs> that is Ruin, yeah. And then we cut to Vin, and Vin wakes up, and she tries to keep pretending to be asleep. She's like, I gotta figure out what's going on. But then a voice is like, well, your breathing's changed, so you're obviously awake. She's like, damn it. <laughs> she got but uh, we also find out that she's been unconscious long enough that the metals have passed through her system is uh, how they've drained her of her metals, basically. And I like that it says she she gets she like sits up and moves and the guards see the motion. And they're like, oh, geez. And they jump up. I'm like, did you not jump up when Yeoman's like, well, you're obviously awake now? Or has Yeoman been sitting there for like hours and just every once in a while he's like, hey, I'm <laughs> he clearly awake now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like. Didn't they hear him talking to her? I don't understand why they were startled. I assume they're just, like, terrified of her in general. Mm. She is scary. That's what I took out of it. But I, I really enjoy the idea that Yeoman's just sitting there going, Are you awake? Please wake up. I'm bored now. <laughs> yeah. That, that's my headcanon, because it's so much more fun. <laughs> uh, He's like, uh, but, it's like the 30th time I've asked. Thank God you finally woke up. <laughs> He's just like, uh, yeah, Bentley, I said, like, I only needed lunch up here. I think I'm going to need dinner, too. Yeah. And so they uh, they have a weird conversation, quite frankly, where he's like, you know, what am I supposed to do with you? You could uh, murder everyone in this room if you had a chance. And he, get, he gives her some water, and she's like, mm. he's like, seriously, if I wanted to poison you, I wouldn't have to trick you. Like, you drank that wine down there of your own delition. So, uh, but we... He's made sure that there's no trace metals in this water. And he yep. he was prepared. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's done his homework. And we find out that um, her manacles and chains and such are made of silver, which is, uh, he says, a particularly frustrating metal for Mistborn, or so I'm told. It silver, you know. silver was the one Brandon wanted to use and yeah. couldn't in the end, yeah? Yeah, yeah. He, so he had this, to change it to tin. This is, this is him getting his own frustrations out there. It's just like, Silver, very frustrating for me. <laughs> I think it is that, in part, yeah. And then they have a conversation about her earrings, and he's like, why do you wear this? Like, silver on the outside, bronze on the inside? Like, mm-hmm. you, you, think, you're uh, earn this bronze spike, and... Uh, I think old Yeoman may know something about hemallergy. Well, he gives it back to her. So if he actually thought this was, if he knows about hemorrhagia and thinks this is a spike like you do, it's a bold move to give her, give it back. <laughs> well, that's why I was like, when she put it, I, he waited until she put it in her ear and then it was kind of like, hmm. Mm. Well, yeah. And she reads that as like, he's giving me this to test to see like if I have some sort of trap so that I will spring it. Right. A trap but like a... hemorrhagia. <laughs> but I mean, if he gave, if he, if he gave that back to her, and she puts that back in, it's going to enhance her alimentic abilities. But if she doesn't have any metal that she's consumed anyway, right? then I guess they're fairly safe. Yeah, one would think. Uh, uh, but then we get Ruin whispering to her, and being like, you should kill them, or kill him, all of them. Yeah. In fact. You notice uh, 
He didn't start talking to her until she had that ring back in. Oh, uh, is that right? Mm-hmm. I think that's right, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Old Ruin, he's, he's a weird one. But then we get a soldier from Ellen's army gets brought in. And I like Yeoman's whole speech where he's like, okay, so you don't talk to this guy, except for as I tell you that you're allowed to. Otherwise, I'll have to kill him, and a new messenger will be sent for. And the soldier's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Still servants from that last Vin chapter all over again. Where it's like, yeah, go ahead and kill the servants. See if I care. <laughs> and so they have the, the question that hopefully if she's really a chondra, she wouldn't be able to answer about what she ate for breakfast the morning of the party. And uh, she's like, you know, that's not going to work for that long, right? Like, Ellen's a king first, so he'll do what he needs to do. And Yeoman's like, yeah, maybe. And I, I love how Vin's reputation has gotten so far ahead of her that everyone in the city, like Yeoman's like, so they say you're blunt and appreciate brevity. It's just like Vin, the like street rat urchin girl from the first book, is so famous now that everyone across Final Empire knows like her personality quirks. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, I'm uh, I captured you so that I could execute you. And she's like, well, that's a weirdly formal way of putting it. Why didn't you just kill me while I was asleep? He's like, well, this is the law. You're uh, you're going to be executed for a crime. The most simple of all crimes, murder. She's like, who did I kill that this guy cared about? And then she realizes, is like, oh, somebody way more important to him than like a friend or a family member is the Lord Ruler. I believe the term is deicide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, too bad she's uh, not being put on trial for the cool crime of robbery. <laughs> nope they're gonna they're gonna he says there will be no trial so i guess I don't, I don't know how that means it's supposed to work but they're gonna try her for killing a god yeah. and execute her i, I he feel like that um, means it's gonna be in a public place there he's gonna say look here's the lady who killed our god now we'll kill her to show that she is not stronger than our god even though he died that'll learn her <laughs> Yeah, it's circular logic. Yeah. Judge Dredd wasn't wasn't all on logic. He was just like, I am the law. And that's what I'm um, doing here. Yep. That's... Well, I was, I was really hoping for more Carl Urban than Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? I like, I am the law. I am the law. <laughs> Adrian, I'm the law. Yeah, no, I'd really go for the whole, Ellen's not the law. I'm the law. Yeah. You I, know what I, I don't like I do about like you, Ellen? <laughs> what I don't like about you, Ellen, you're greedy and lazy. And I, I like that Yeoman leaves her with this. Uh, he's like, oh, by the way, uh, I've told the guards that they can kill you if it looks like you're putting anything uh, unapproved in your mouth. So be careful what you eat, because they also know that I won't punish them if they kill you by accident. It doesn't sound naughty, but it does sound naughty. <laughs> oh, man. And, and Ruin is still in here. He's like, kill him. Ruin is sounding a lot more like uh, that God voice from the last book. It's just like telling saying, kill them, kill that guy, kill this guy. Yeah. Kill like, everything well, that up. moves. He's like, the jig is up. May as well just go back to what I'm good at. But she makes an interesting point. She's like, why would Ruin want me to kill Yeoman? He's on Ruin's side, right? He's the. I mean, I don't think anyone's on Ruin's side. Let's just yeah, put I mean, that out wants, there. Wants the world to end, really. Yeah. Marsh is on think... Ruin's side. Yeah, I guess technically. I honestly think that. Ruins just he can't help himself because it's like when you have somebody that's pestering you to do something over and over it's like an obsession 
So I almost feel like Ruin can't help himself. He's just like, I don't care about this guy. I don't need him for my plans. Kill him. Mm, yeah, maybe. Also, when did we get Yeomans on Ruin's side? Where did that come into it? I know, like, Yeoman is an obstacle in their way to getting the cash and everything else, but... Like, yeah. I think if I think if you're not with Vin, you're with yeah. wh- wh- whoever that, Vin's enemy is. That I think seems to be the thing, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's like, she's like, Yeoman captured me, so obviously he's on Ruin's side, because I'm against Ruin. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like a ruin. Ruin's in my head, and he's talking to me, and didn't show up until I was in Fadrex. So it must be Yeoman's thing. Like, mm. yeah, is, it, is it though? Is yeah. it though? Yeah. She's not a she's not a grand thinker, Arvin. No. Yeah. He's been also the first person we know of that is conscious of the voice being the voice of Ruin. I guess because what? Uh, I mean, besides the Lord Ruler. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Lord Ruler knew that it was Ruin. Yeah. Zane said that it was God, which I guess it kind yeah. of is, quite honestly. Yeah, technically. Yeah. And Spook thinks But I mean, then you've got Spook because it's Kelsier. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that could say more about Spook than it says about anyone else. But, like, uh, Penrod, for example, I mean, I know we haven't touched base with him for a while, but he's gone you know, absolutely crazy. Yeah, he thinks it's still. the Lord Ruler, I guess, is what we learned, right? Yeah. Well, We've all just got I, their different names for it. Who knew what Gemmel thought he was talking to? <laughs> I think it's yeah, probably like, yeah, a case of... No one, no one really knows because, like, we didn't know about ruin preservation until the Candra started talking about it. That was true. Um, I yeah. think it's the sort of thing like, like uh, Rushak probably quashed any mention of that because he didn't want anyone getting on trying to figure out ruin's deal. He was trying to repress any mention of it, so no one knew about preservation or ruin. So all these other people who had the voice in their head would never have heard of ruin or preservation, mm-hmm. unless he just when he's in their head, just decided to sit down and tell them the whole story. And that doesn't seem like Ruin's deal. No, yeah. So here, let me tell you a tale of the ancient days yep. before you existed. Maybe, oh, maybe God's reading for his stories that. again. He could have. He could have yeah. told Gemmel lots of stuff. Who knows? Yeah, because Gemmel, you know, he didn't seem to care. <laughs> he, I'm apathetic. Uh, I want Gemmel back. He was, he was so much fun. Okay, so the next epigraph, we find out that preservation creates Ruin's prison by sacrificing most of his consciousness, breaking their deal in an attempt to keep Ruin from destroying everything that they'd made. That leaves their powers almost balanced again. Ruin is mostly imprisoned with only a little of himself leaking out. And preservation, there's only a little bit of him left also. A wisp, barely capable of thought and action, which we find out very shortly is the mist spirit that we've uh, has been hanging around since Alendi days and now... Probably well before that. So, but the interesting, the even more interesting part in this one, I think, is uh, these two minds were independent of the forces of uh, of the powers. And this person says, actually, I'm uncertain of how thoughts and personalities came to be attached to the powers in the first place. But I believe they were not there originally, because both powers could be detached from the minds that ruled them. So that's a thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's a confusing statement. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think maybe we, a little bit later we get some direction on kind of what that means. Mm-hmm. And now we got Elland, and he's slogging back through the ash from uh, the village where he's gotten all these coloss. It says that it's taken a while to get back because, for one thing, he left a lot of his coins with the villagers. Good guy, Elland. He's like, I don't know how much it's going to help. Their homes are destroyed by coloss, and their food's almost gone, and their water source is contaminated by ash, but whatever. But he also wants to go back slowly because he's uh, he's introspecting. 
thinks about Inquisitors and how apparently they've killed three of them. Vin is that the one who actually kills them, but they took them on together to capture Coloss armies. Which makes it even stranger that there wasn't one here this time, but maybe he couldn't have beaten one if there was, so that's a good thing. But he's not feeling great. He starts thinking about Vin, how she's captured, and she was the one that he was depending on to fix the unfixable. How are we going to stop ash and lava and all that shit? Like, Vin was the one who was supposed to worry about that. I mean, I don't need to get into all the detail, but at some point, he's just like, no, I mean, there's nothing we can do. This is it. We're done. And he kind of just collapses on his knees in the uh, in the ash. And is, he gives up. He's like, there's nothing we can do. We're This is the end. And that's when something else shows up. It says someone knelt down beside him. And he jumped backwards. It's like, what the... But it was, it's the mist ghost, the mist spirit, as he's been called. And finally, we're sitting down and somebody's trying to talk to the thing. I mean, they kind of tried before, I guess. It's just, it, it, it's never been all that communicative. Oh, as Ellen points out here, it's like, hey, last time I saw you, you tried to kill me. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like it's the most communicating he's done is when he tried to stab Ellen to, <laughs> and then pointed at the metal to be like, no, give him that. And Ellen's like, what? If you want to say something, just say it. Jeez. Well, we got to play 20 questions here. And he's like, okay, why don't you write? Try writing in the ash, maybe. And when the words come out reading, I will kill you. Death, death, death. And Ellen's like, okay, well, that's nice. <laughs> it's, I mean, we know that Ruin's sabotaging the message, but I also like that that's what Ruin wanted it to say. Right? It's like, there's not, there's no subtlety there. He's not, like, trying to trick Ellen into, like, going the wrong place. No. He's just like, death, death, I'll, death. I'll kill you. Death. More death. But tonight at 11. Doom! <laughs> and it's so unsubtle that Ellen immediately is like, oh, it's that thing. It can change text. So this explains a lot why you couldn't communicate. You couldn't write a note for Sazed in the last book. You had to rip off a thing to try to draw his attention. And I'd always pictured this as they could write what they wanted to write, but it would change. But this kind of makes sense on some level. Like it's a, it would change. It wouldn't just automatically come out like that. Mm. There, so. there was there was an annotation that I, I didn't read that part of it, where Brandon kind of goes into a little detail on where the change happens. Or maybe it might not even have been an annotation. It might have been a question. Someone's like, well, how can it change words in a metal mind if it can't change words on like a metal sheet? Mm. And Brandon said that whether whether it's in writing or in putting stuff in a metal mind or whatever – the easiest place for Ruin to change something was during the transition. So as you're putting it down on paper or as you're moving it into a metal mind or whatever, that's when it can get them and change it somehow. I don't know if that's yeah, really helpful right. or it makes any more sense, but <laughs> but I, I like that Ellen's like, okay, well, like go slowly and maybe I can see what letters your hands are forming. And he's like, no, this isn't working either. Either it's changing that or you don't know your letters. <laughs> I love when the thought finally occurs to him. It's like, maybe that's what you're actually writing. I'm assuming you're good. <laughs> hmm. It's true. <laughs> despite having been stabbed. Yeah. But then we get into the into the more 20 questions. It's like, okay, wave for yes, stand still for no, and we'll we'll get some information finally. So what we find out is that this thing is it's Ellen notes that it's not as solid as it was before. It is he, he asks if it's weaker than it was before, and it is. Because the world is ending, are you are you weaker than the other thing, the thing that Vin set free? Yes, a lot weaker. Yeah. And he's like, ah, great. 
the one thing that might be able to help us and it's not really uh able to solve this not not related to the ash falling not causing the ash falling the other thing is causing the ash to fall is the other thing making the mists come during the day no wait so you're making the mist come during the day and the answer seems to be maybe or kinda yeah and so here's where i think maybe that previous sentence makes sense about the powers being separated from the mind it's like like preservation doesn't know what it's doing like its power is being wielded without preservation really like maybe it's more instinctual as opposed to he's willing it to happen Mm, okay so yeah we know that from that last one that most of his mind is gone now most of his consciousness so it could have been him causing the mists, but not like not this piece of his consciousness like willfully doing it is what you're saying yeah and also like the the percentages of sick and whatever is just in general preservation trying to get across a message that like there this is not natural it's not random like there's something at play here that needs to be addressed yeah we definitely well, maybe there's two more to the percentage but i don't know the, the, they seem to think that the percentage is supposed to be some sort of message about something to let them know that it's not naturally occurring but if there's more to it we don't know yet so maybe it's a message from preservation but preservation doesn't know it well yeah so there's uh we talk about percentages is that what it is well it was it's 16 percent to get sick i think but then it's one in 16 that like stays sick longer mm-hmm. so it's a percentage and a fraction okay i was wondering if like maybe the percentage numbers were like coordinates but that doesn't sound like it really fits i mean if you take one in 16 that's 6.25 percent so i guess maybe you could if you use both percentages and they just haven't done that yet yeah uh okay so we also get from the thing that it does not want ellen to attack fadrek city and that the mists are connected to all of this somehow. And Ellen's like, but they're killing my men. And the thing is, stand still, but somehow looks urgent. And he's like, wait, so you're saying they aren't killing my men? But I've seen them. And then the thing points to his sash. And he's like, coins? And he's like, no, no. And then he's like, wait, okay, so metal? And it weighs vigorously, and Ellen does not understand. And then it starts to fade. One more question before you go. Can we beat it? Can we survive? And... The creature waves just briefly. Not a vigorous one, more of a hesitant one. And then it evaporates. It's like, uh, well, it might be possible. I almost feel like it's the Lord Ruler's like, thing all over again. Where he's like, maybe you can survive. I mean, at that point, I'm going to be dead, so what do I care? Preservation is nicer than the Lord Ruler, right? Maybe preservation cares. But the, the conversation picks Alan up. He kind of feels much better about himself afterwards. Maybe it's because... Some magical god thing has told him that it's possible to survive. And he's like, I didn't really get much information out of this, but it made me feel better. I guess it wasn't more information, but confirmation on thoughts they were already having and and the direction. It's like, okay, don't attack Fadrex, which is Ellen didn't want to attack Fadrex anyway. He wanted to find a diplomatic solution, but it looks uh, less and less possible. But it's, it's given him some sort of direction and a place to go, which can definitely pick a person up. Yeah. When he's got, like, several thousand new Coloss to use as a bargaining chip to be like, hey, I don't want to attack your city. Maybe now we can get a 
diplomatic thing going. Can I have my wife back, please? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, 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 we're we're executing her. She killed the Lord Ruler. That's murder. He's like, but I've been sent by the real god. <laughs> yeah, good luck convincing Yeoman of that. Yeah, I know. Which I guess technically Vin did like uh, show up at the Lord Ruler's house and uh, straight up murder him. But there was good reason. Well, she did start it, but then, you know, there was the whole he was going to kill her. And so can you argue self-defense in that case or maybe not? He did order her to be executed before that. But yeah. Yeah. OK. And but we find out from the following epigraph that it says, I don't know why preservation decided to use his last bit of life appearing to Ellen during his trek back to Fadrix. So that was preservation. And that was the last bit of life in him because the epigraph writer says if Ellen had waited a little longer, a few more minutes, he would have seen a body short of stature, black hair, prominent nose, fall from the mist and slump dead in the ash. Yeah, uh, so how that's convenient. weird. A method of looking for God that doesn't involve a telescope. Get <laughs> back to work. <laughs> that's weird that he would have had like a human form. Yeah. I'm, that's confusing to me. So it's like, does Ruin have a human form? Well, he has a body. We know that much. Uh, yeah, his body's a, lost. We've been assuming it's a human body. I guess maybe it doesn't have to be. Oh, well, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. But this guy had a human body, it seems like, so. Yeah. Ruin could be a T-Rex. Yeah, T-Rex, sure. Also, if he's <laughs> in, like, this crazy spirit form, why does his death create, like, why does his death create a human body that falls over dead i don't like that doesn't yeah. make any sense to me it is weird mm. well and i mean and we learned from that previous epigraph that the the epigraph writer she's like i don't think that there were minds attached to these powers in the first place so how did one get there presumably this body that fell over had a mind if it was ever Maybe it was independent from the power at some point, the way that it's described, because it says that a mind became attached to the power later. But if that's the case, then does the body falling over mean that it's detached from the power? There's still power somewhere? Or does it instead mean that that power disappeared when the body died? It's some weird stuff. Yeah, I don't think the power disappeared, because if that was the case... And the mist is somewhat responsible. Is somewhat if preservation is responsible for the mist, and the mist doesn't just immediately go away right now after his death, mm-hmm. then I would say that that's yeah that the power is definitely not tied to completely to him being alive. Well, that's an interesting thing that you said about the mist going away because back when Ten Soon goes to Luthadel, he tells the people he's like, when the mists leave, get underground and. To stay safe. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. He did say something about the mists leaving. So maybe, yeah, maybe the mist will disappear. Hmm. Okay. All right, but the, the epigraph saying, by the time that Ellen saw the mist spirit, preservation was barely coherent. I wonder what Ellen would have done if he'd known that he was in the presence of a dying god. But I like the thought that it's like, maybe preservation just... Uh, Knew, saw Ellen kneeling in that field and knew that the Emperor of Men was very close to lying down in the ash, never to rise again. So maybe he was just uh, trying to help out one last time. Good opportunity to la- use your last bit of strength. Yeah. Don't know if you were going to find a better one, so yeah. Mm. Well, and we also find out from the epigraph that, like, ever since Ruin's been back, apparently, preservation has been under intense destructive pressure. 
So he's been kind of fighting ruin back since uh, the last book, I guess. And we cut back to Spook for the final chapter. Back standing in the cavern in his little kind of curtained off room. Trying to figure out how to get Quellian to reveal himself as an Alamancer. He's trying to copy Kelsier's, like, scratching, putting stuff on a board to work out problems. He wants to be Kelsier so bad, this kid. And really, dude, Kelsier didn't have, uh, I guess he had a good life for most of his life, uh, you know, tricking people and stealing their money and having a good old time. But some bad shit happened to him, and you don't really want that. Yeah. You know, Spook, you gotta stop trying to be Kelsier and just be you, bro. That just sort of makes him a foil for Quellian. Quellian is just like, this is what the survivor would do. And it's not. And Spook and Spook is just like, this is what Kelsey would do. And it's not. So <laughs> people just stop trying to be Kelsier. Everyone stop trying to be Kelsier. He wasn't as great as you think. He really wasn't as great as they think. It's like, oh my gosh, guys. Like, Spook, you should know better. You knew Kelsier. He was kind of an asshole. I mean, great guy. Don't get me wrong. In, in a lot of ways. But also an asshole. Uh, anyway. And it turns out that Beldry... Okay, so Beldry shows up and she kind of looks at what he's doing. And it turns out that he's been making notations on this board in street slang. And she's like, even the words are different. Wuzzing? What's wuzzing? And he's trying to explain. He's like, you start sentences with it. It's like, wuzzing the run of there means I was running to that place. Finally, the dude explains it. And then she goes, wuzzing the where of how of the finds? It sounds like gibberish. Yeah, yeah. So when I read that, uh, I read her saying the words in gibberish and just immediately jumped to she knew street slang. And I was just like, oh, God's sake. Really? Spook, you finally <laughs> found one. It's like, Jamie, read the rest of the sentence. She's just reading it off the board. Because I thought it had all the scratchings on the board that she couldn't read it um... as well. And I was just like, of course, Spook's handwriting would be terrible. <laughs> what a terrible spy having to pass on notes in street slang that couldn't be read. <laughs> wow. But I'm relieved to know that she couldn't understand it. That made me happier. But at first I was just mad. That would have been a ridiculous coincidence, especially when she's raised as a noblewoman and like paid obligators to teach her how to read and write and stuff. It's like if she knew street slang, that would be ridiculous. Yes. Yes, it would. One of the obligators is trying to be every cliched cool teacher ever and is teaching her in the slang. <laughs> she stands on her desk and she's like, oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> <laughs> or wasn't with the captain. <laughs> but he, he said that, like, people tell him he still has an accent. And then when he slips into it for a minute here, she's like, oh, I think the accent is you shouldn't be ashamed of that. I think it's kind of charming. And I'm like, what kind of accent is with the weird words? Like this, it, it's it doesn't seem like an accent to me. But maybe I'm just not yeah. hearing it, so I don't understand. Well, you know, they're supposed to be French, right? So maybe when he speaks the street slang, he's like, he goes real Texan with it, and he's just like, <laughs> wasn't with the play, like wasn't with the running, you know? And she's like, oh, it's charming. Oh my gosh! I don't. I don't want to think that. No, not do it. it can be. It can be like a British accent. The British and the French hate each other. There you go. Yeah. And so, um, he start when she she asks like, so uh, what? What is it? What are you working on? And he starts to kind of push her out, and she's like, oh. And then he thinks well, her brother always does that to her. Doesn't let her be involved. So I'm gonna let her feel like she can be involved. Which, dude, you are plotting to 
to overthrow her brother and possibly kill him, is this really what she should be involved in? What you should be showing her all of your plans, but whatever. He's not thinking with his brain. Uh, and I, I like he's she's like, no, he that won't work. He's not going to use Alamancy like that uh, and reveal to everyone. And Swoop's like, well, if I threaten him well enough, he might. She's like, but you promised not to hurt him. He's like, no, 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 no. I promise to try and find another way. Also, I don't intend to kill him. I just need to make him think that I'm going to kill him. Yeah, okay. Whatever, Spook. Yeah, I think Spook's writing a check as Tush can't cash here. I think uh, old old ruined Kelsier is going to gonna make him do the deed in the end. We do know how love, how much Ruin loves telling people to kill other people. That's like his, his whole bag. Yeah, he's like, I like living the ruined life, stabbing people with my ruined knife. <laughs> that was that was preservation you stabbed a dude, to be fair. That's true. But Spook comes out and promises that he will not kill her brother. Which how romantic can you get? Like that that's as that's as romantic as you, as is possible. <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey baby, I'm not gonna kill your brother. I mean, compared to his first attempts to romance her, which were, I am going to kill your brother. I feel like we like, <laughs> yeah. improved 100%. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a total 180. Yeah. He went yeah. from, Progress. I know why you're sad, to, I'm going to not kill your brother. How do you like them? He's learning, see? <laughs> Baby steps. Yeah, well, yeah, you can't ask too much of the guy. Come on. But she asked if she can write him a letter and maybe convince him to listen. And so was like, yeah, okay, but I'm going to have to read it. And thinks to himself, what I'll really do is rewrite it on a different sheet of paper, change the line order, add some words here and there. I may be dumb, but I've been on Thieving Cruise long enough to know that these secret codes and stuff. Yeah, it's smart. <laughs> also, there's a power in his head which can automatically rewrite shit for him, so... Yeah, it's like, hey, Kelsier, will you, will you uh, be my secretary and write uh, write this up differently, please? It's like, I need to change this words, and Ruin's like, done! I got it. That would, that would be revealing a little too much, maybe, about what... It, uh... Kelsier can do, but yeah. And then by the time like you know the... her brother gets the letter, it's just gonna say, "I'm gonna kill you, death, 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 death." death, 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 death. <laughs> just what I was about to say. <laughs> that would be great. She writes up a nice letter to her brother, and Spook rewrites it. And then by the time it gets to Quellian, it's like death, death, death. That'd be awesome. But Gordel shows up to let him know that the soldiers who have been surrounding them are now gone, and. uh it's like, this feels ominous. But Gordel's like, well, it'll make sneaking out easier, right? So this is great. Gordel seems to have let the team down a bit here. Like, <laughs> Breeze is right. Like, he, like, Gordel's asking, where did they go? And Breeze's like, that's your job, dude. It's like, you have scouts. Have them answer that question. Yeah. Yeah, and then he has to wait for Spook for confirmation. Come on, Gordel, you're better than this. That that was interesting. Where says notes, he's like, even Gordel's looking over uh, at Spook for confirmation of stuff from us. Interesting. And I like they're, he's sitting here and he's like, you know, Spook's done some good stuff and he's been given orders, taken charge. He still hasn't answered any questions about like the bandage over his eyes or anything. I'm like, yeah, maybe you guys should figure some of this shit out before you just like, oh yeah, you be in charge. It's fine. You don't have to explain any of the extremely weird yeah. stuff. Yeah, says is being real like laid back about this. He's like. Yeah, it is weird he didn't explain any of this yet, but oh well. Yeah, it's like, how hard have you guys actually asked? This is an excellent question. Well, I mean, I feel feel like the one time Says did ask, uh, Spook was just like, I'll tell you later. I just can't tell you right now. 
This true. Which is like ev- what every teenager says when they're trying to hide something. It's like I, I I'll tell you later. Yeah. It's like come on, Zay's just like ask again. You've been here for quite a while now. It's like I'm sure you've had multiple opportunities. Plus, right? like I, I thought for certain after he did the flying leap out of a burning building, that would just be like, well, okay, what the hell was that? But right. no, apparently it's like ah, shit happens around us. <laughs> yeah, he used like a gymnastic springboard. It was a whole setup. So, you know, if they just asked the question and Spook answered it, we wouldn't have this story. Mm. Probably. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess. Or, you know, it could they could be normal people that ask the questions and the story could just be better written. Well, <laughs> given how, how little they're pushing here, like if they did ask, if they're like, hey, Spook, come on. How, how, we can't just let this slide. How'd you jump out of that building? And he's like, so it turns out I can burn pewter. I don't know how or why. They'd be like, huh. You're going to have to prove that. And then he proves it. And they're like, all right, so you you can burn pewter. That is weird. Um, all right. And like, what are they going to do at that point? Like, I mean, I think they wouldn't let it go. Like, when did this happen? Yeah. How did like, this happen? Yeah, they, they, they might try right to figure it. out. Yeah, that's a good point. I would really Spook even that... still remember at this point? Would Spook even still remember yeah, at this point, point if he'd been stabbed yeah. as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean... If he did remember, it's like, well, you know, Kelsier came to me in a vision and told me he gave me the blessing to burn pewter. And then they'd be like, wait, 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 what? Oh, yeah, that part is would definitely be a whole other conversation. It's like, wait, wait, you're seeing Kelsier? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm really just banking on Tensoon showing up and, like, immediately twigging to the whole ruin thing. And, like, looking at the others, go, did none of you press into details here? Did you not realize this wasn't normal? What the fuck? I still want him to use Kelsier's bones and like be like, wait, you're Kelsier? No, I'm Kelsier. <laughs> uh, but we cut, okay, we cut down to them working on Say's invention to block the water, and we find out that riots have begun in the city. People are setting fire to stuff, and the soldiers were taken to kind of keep things calm. And Say's is like, okay, this is getting a little dangerous, I, I, I fear. And Spook's like, oh, no, this is good. Everything's on edge, like, just about to snap, just like Luthadel when we took over. And Sage points out, well, yeah, but the only thing that stopped that from turning into a ridiculous, like, French Revolution bloodbath was Ellen Venture. And we don't have Ellen Venture right now. And Sage puts it down to himself just being cynical. He's like, I guess I'm just not as optimistic as Spook. It's like, no, Spook is being overly optimistic is the problem. But they have this whole discussion where Says is like, I mean, do you ever, don't you ever worry that maybe we're going to lose? And Spook's like, yeah, I don't know. And Spook thinks that Says is testing him. He's like, I get what you're doing. You're trying to see if I doubt myself. Well, you know, I do. But I feel like we just we got to have faith that something's out there that's taking care of uh, this stuff. And Says is like, man, that's what I need. I need to get that back. He doesn't bother being like, so what do you have faith in? And why is your faith so strong all of a sudden? when this has never been a thing that you've done before. He's just like, man, Faith, I remember that. I need to get that back. Well, that's because, like, Spook pressed the tin wheel button and threw yeah. Says it off again. Yeah. Like, so he doesn't have to press. Also, this conversation, like, at the end, like, Says looks at Spook's eyes and sees the hope in them. It's like, oh, the bandages came off? Oh, that's an interesting... Oh, it, it said earlier that in the cave he wasn't... Yeah, that he wasn't wearing it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Light, was... okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so my is what gets him. It says that now that he has pewter, he can stand some more light from, like, the lantern. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is the end of our chapters for this week. A uh, lot of spook in Beltry. 
but a lot of very interesting stuff too. I, I like I say that as if like yeah, the spooky Belgian stuff super boring, but interesting <laughs> stuff otherwise. <laughs> That's not fair. This is spooks spook and Belgian stuff is finally a little normal and not creepy, so I'm good with it. Yeah, yeah, I'll give it that. So let's get into doing predigments. Uh, let's go in the reverse of the last order. So, I, Dak, you want to go first? Okay, so all the stuff about how preservation apparently has a human-ish body, and then the powers the powers all seem to be independent of the bodies or the minds pulsing through them. I think that Bruin and Preservation are humans from somewhere, that were granted power by an even higher power above them, because there's there's a running theme in this series about granting of power. Like Hemology steals power and grants it elsewhere. The metals grant you power, like the bead that Ellen ate. Like the Lord Ruler granted power to his followers. It really seems like there's a whole lot of you know people are granted in some manner powers from somewhere. So I think that's what's happened to Ruin and Preservation themselves. They're people from somewhere else in the Cosmere transported this planet for some reason and given and given powers to do something Hmm. so we're getting into the really heavy metaphysical shit here i don't quite know how or why but i think that's the case for these two you see transport here makes me think of like uh like secret wars or something or yeah 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 i could see that Hmm. that's really all i've got i'm just like all right cool we'll just see play this out but yeah They, they are people that were just given power by a, someone with an order of magnitude of power above them. Okay. Uh, that might fit into some of what we've seen so far. But that just, that's just, it's like, oh crap, what else is out there then? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right, uh, Joe. Okay, so we've got, uh, I'm, I'm going to stick closer with the immediate chapters, I guess, this week. So we've got the Spook and Beltray thing. I think that's going to go awry. Maybe because, like I said, Kelsier might, the ruined Kelsier might, uh, might accidentally, or not accidentally, might intentionally tell Spook and make Spook, uh, kill, kill her brother. So I don't think that's going to work out for the, for the couple, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that might put a, a damper on their mm-hmm. relationship. Right. So Ellen's got part, I think Ellen's got parts of the piece of the puzzle that he needs with, with what little information he gained from preservation. And hopefully he'll be able to act on that soon. I think he's going to turn his tension away from Fadrax. And, and hopefully how that will work is he'll either trust Vin to, to survive or, you know, something will happen with the, the public Vin execution that where she, where she escapes. But I think he's going to go, maybe, maybe he'll try to regroup and, and head to Erto, which I think would be a good move uh, since, since preservation told him he shouldn't try and take Fadrax. That would be that would be cool to kind of get the band back together. I think that uh, as we're getting closer to the end of the book, I think that's that would be probably a really cool move is, is for everybody to kind of come come and come together. And and I keep forgetting about them, but they're off. You know, they got mentioned in this last chapter. It's like the Inquisitors are still out there doing stuff. So that's yep. got to come to a head, I feel like, soon. Because, you know, Marsh and the other Inquisitors in Ruin, like, Ruin, Ruin has not really showed his hand specifically to our main characters. So he's building towards something. And it's, I feel like we've spent a lot of time away from that, and we, don't, we kind of forget about it. It's all going on in the background. But it's got to come to a head 
so I, I imagine hopefully in the next few chapters something something of that will kind of manifest. And then yeah, I, I hope Vin. I mean, I think Vin will probably will escape the execution or be able to, if not defeat Yeoman, at least get away from him or put him in his place or whatever. And if Yeoman's got this adium and he can burn adium, maybe we'll find some more adium. Who knows? But I kind of feel like maybe the adium's not not going to be as plentiful as as Vin hoped. Oh, so. maybe it's gotten. You argue with Dax's theory on it got used up during the time of the Lord Ruler, or like more recently? No, because I mean, clearly he's at the Canton of he's a, he's the obligator for the Canton of Resource, so clearly mm-hmm. he's got some if he's burning it. So I don't think it's all gotten used up, but I don't think there's as much. I don't think there's a cash left. I think Dax's probably right about that. Somehow the cash got used up, um, and so. Hopefully we'll figure out kind of what the next move is as far as Ruin's plans for the world. I mean, I know obviously his plans are to destroy it, but like as far as what his immediate plans are with the Inquisitors and everything. Because I feel like we still haven't gotten there. Yeah, I mean, we there, there's a lot of Inquisitors out there doing something, and we have no idea what, except that they right. tend to have like a Coloss army with them, apparently. Or yeah. One of them tends to be with the Coloss army, it might be vice versa. So. But anyway... Yeah. But the Adium is interesting <clears throat> because it's been kind of like the central focus of all the books, almost, in a way, from the first one. Because in the first one, they were going to rob the Lord Ruler of his giant Adium stash. And in the second one, all the armies wanted the giant Adium stash. And in this one, Vin, at least, still seems pretty determined to find it when it has long since like not been nearly as useful. They have what was it, Electrum now, or whatever, that uh, yeah. makes it and less useful. Yeah, she's useful. even figured a way around finding somebody yeah. one-on-one, at least, that's using Adium. And so at this point, it's like, what are you going to do? What are you gonna, how are you going to use it? It's not, are you going to tr- use it to trade, like, as money for to buy food? Like, who are you going to buy food from? You're the only ones in the Central Dominance who can grow the food anymore. So, yeah. you know. I feel like uh, um, Vin has been... Because of the Adium kind of clouding her mind, I feel like she's been kind of short-sighted to the fact that, like, hey, the Adium's not going to make any difference if everybody's dead in a few de- in like a few weeks <laughs> or months. Right. Like, it's not going to matter if the world is just get you know crumbling. I don't know how it would help you in that situation. Yeah, it's interesting. The important role this thing is played in the books that we've never seen and are not even sure exists. This big cash now. Uh, okay. Uh, Jamie. So, Beldry. I am. I don't necessarily agree with Dax's prediction that she is the brains behind the whole thing, but I don't trust her. How do you go from, you know, I'm going to scream in three heartbeats if you don't leave me alone to I'm going to come in and have this conversation with you? Mm. I, it just doesn't. It doesn't sit well with me. I don't know whether it's going to turn out that she is also an Alamancer. Perhaps she's soothing or riding him spook is way oversharing and i just i'm not sure if it's because he really likes her or if it's because she's manipulating him into giving information yeah. like if if i was genuinely concerned that someone was going to kill my brother because they threatened to kill my brother and then go in there and he goes yep oh no i i, I promise i won't do that also, then I'm going to start asking about Ellen and Vin 
it just feels like she's she's grabbing information and like at least Spook has gone, you know, well, I'm going to rewrite the letter or whatever, but it's still it doesn't sit well with me. So, yeah, I definitely don't trust her. Um I think that's going to go somewhat somewhat nasty in the future, but that will probably be tying into however we wrap up what's happening in Urtau and I think that's going to come fairly soon with all the, these riots and stuff happening now. So we should start to see some movement there shortly. I think Erland will take preservation's advice and go back to Lutherdale. There's so much going on in Lutherdale um, that this will definitely need to, to be addressed. And I guess in terms of a final final stance, Lutherdale makes sense. We spent a lot of time there in, a, in our trilogy. So That's true. Heading back, we haven't really been there this book very much, so that that sort of makes sense. Given that Tensoon's already left there, I believe he's heading to Urtau, somewhere that way. Yeah, that seemed to be the case. Yeah, so I think Tensoon will be the one to provide information to Sazed. They'll wrap up whatever they're doing there and probably go back to Lutherdale because now Tensoon will know that, wow, shit's going down there. we really got to get back there. In terms of Vin escaping, I don't know. I sort of had a feeling that maybe she wouldn't. You know, we are we are getting closer to the end and one of my previous predictions was that everyone would die mm-hmm. at the end except those who managed to escape Skadriel. Maybe she won't make it. Aww. I don't know. I, I mean, Vin. yes, it's, I love Vin too, but we are getting to the end of the story and, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe she, maybe she won't. And it would be interesting to see what that does to Ellen. As well, you know, he's really, he's got to make those decisions, you know, and, and, and Vin is supportive of him supporting, you know, the people rather than coming back just for her. So I don't know. I think, I actually think Vin might, whether she, whether she does get executed or not, I think she'll still be in Fadrex for a little while. And even if she does make it, I think she's still got a bit of headway that she could make there. I don't know that Adium's going to be really relevant. I mean, I hope that she reaches across and just, steals that bit of adium from Yeoman's head. <laughs> Stop wearing it like a crown. <laughs> and, you know, maybe she'll have the the opportunity to burn it. And we know that she, like from her thieving days, she's still pretty pretty agile. She's pretty quick even without yep. her allomancy. So it is possible, you know, if she had the ability to sort of foresee what other people's movements were going to be, that she could outsmart them and escape. But I don't know it's going to be as straightforward as that for her. Yeah. That's... No, no, you get me sad. You get me sad about Vin. (laughs) I know, I know, but I, I, you know, it's been a long story and she's definitely had a huge part to play in that story. Does everything finally rest on her? Does she have to make a sacrifice to have something else happen? (sighs) Talking about this this link to her body for preservation and ruin is – is Ruin doing a regular Lord Voldemort thing and creating these Horcruxes and, mm. you know, a bit of him lives in all of these people. Do all of these people that have got some sort of spike have to die to defeat Ruin? Maybe. Uh-huh. You know, is did preservation only tie himself to one body? Maybe that's why there's only one body. Ruin uh, can't find I his body now. Saying, He's got yeah. all a whole bunch of other bodies. As long as all of these people survive, does Ruin live on? ruining things <laughs> I, don't, I don't know but I guess as far as we can tell I mean preservation is linked to people or linked to beings like the Kandra and stuff but 
maybe maybe that's how we end it. It's like anyone who's linked by preservation or or ruin has to go. Interesting. Everybody has a little bit of preservation in them, making them sentient apparently. So that would mm. that'd be everybody. Mm. But yeah, then again, true. talking about escaping Skadrill, it's like we still haven't found a spaceship or anything. Maybe that's there's a secret <laughs> final cache and all the adium has gotten turned into a rocket ship. <laughs> a rocket ship of adium. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a significant scientific advancement. Um. Yeah, somebody might have mentioned that. They discovered yeah. rocket science in the meantime. Yeah. That, that was actually Rush's plan the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pushing yeah. back technology, except for me. <laughs> this is totally random, but if they made a movie of the of this book, I think Yeoman should be played by John Malkovich. I can see that. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Uh, He's got a good voice for it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was, I was, I was thinking more Vigo Mortensen, but yeah, I could see Malkovich. Oh, dude, Vigo playing a bad guy—that'd be pretty sweet, right? Okay, we have many emails today, so I guess let's get started into that. The first one is from Angelo Two, and it says, "Hey, San Orange crew, I thought the discussion of the crew being a band was hilarious." but I was disappointed that you all thought it would be a rock band. I felt it pretty obvious that they would form a ska band. Uh, <laughs> good one. Good one, Angela, too. Uh, and then she says, anyway, I, I love... I'm a ska fan, too, so I should have picked yeah, up so on that. Yeah, you should have picked up oh, on Terrible love... oversight on my part. You're right. Spook, you're on the trumpet. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I can see that. Spook is a trumpet player, sure. I love the realization... That the realization has been made that wilder predicaments are some of the most correct ones. I'm hoping this means there will be even more crazy ones in an effort to hit on something. I always enjoy listening, but I think this will make it even more fun. Wasing to the time of next, Angela too. I know, right? The craziness. Yeah, Dak has this new crazy theory that he's sticking to. Yeah. Wait, so Yarman's Yarman's body is ruined. Don't for that one. Yeoman is Ruin's body, and he's also a Coloss, because there was going to be a Coloss body or something. I remember that theory. (laughs) It's all part of the same thing. It's all Uh, part of the plan. It's always another secret. Oh, wait, hang on. Yes, that's a different thing. (laughs) Yeah, we haven't said that that one. No, we haven't. But there is always another secret, so... It's, it's uh, one of two. It's one of two things that just hasn't been in the books that much. That phrase and meow meow. Where the hell's yeah. meow meow? Yeah, where does meow meow? Yeah. He's just hanging out. I with miss meow meow. Forget <laughs> Alrian. Let's get meow meow in there. Meow meow for hero of ages. Woo-hoo. Well, that's not how that works. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, okay, so the second email is from Nathan. It says, "Finally caught up." Hi, Data. The Sander Lanch is my favorite Final Fantasy podcast. See, we haven't, done, yes. we haven't hit Final Fantasy in a while, I don't think, but uh, for a while there, that was absolutely the thing. Yeah, man, I mean, what, what more do you need? Tencent is Red 13. That's true, we have done, we have touched on that before. Uh, I, on fire today. I found it after someone recommended it on one of the Sanderson subreddits about a two weeks ago, and I finally caught up this morning. It's been so much fun as a semi-reread, which will be helpful as I finally got my girlfriend to try Sanderson by way of Mistborn, also coincidentally today. Wait, hang on. He... He started listening two weeks ago, and he's already caught up. Dude, when do you sleep? Right? There's a lot of episodes out, and we talk yeah, a lot. Yeah, we got, like, what, 53 episodes? 52 episodes out I right think, now? I think there's 52 out currently, yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just impressed. I'm this impressed, yeah. When it comes out. 
I've got to commend your heroic levels of restraint when your co-hosts get guess things right, because I've slapped the table or laughed out loud pretty much every time it has happened. Jamie figuring out Rashek was masterfully done, but I think I laughed even harder when someone – oh, no, I can't read that. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't – don't yeah. Oh, son of a – Jesus. <laughs> There's his restraint again. Yeah. Uh, he ends that with – deliberate. I'm excited to no, that was actually not. I had read this email before and I now remember I was that at the time I was like, oh geez, no, I can't. But no, I forgot when I started reading just now that this was the since we got six emails this time, like this was the one I forgot this was the one where that came in. Okay. Uh let's see. I'm excited to hear what uh they'll think of the big finale. Can't wait to hear Joe's reaction to some things that I, I'm not gonna read. I'm also thinking that I'll read along when y'all start on Elantris. It's one Cosmere book that I haven't gotten to yet. Wasn't to the time of next, Nathan. So yeah, uh, I'm excited for some of uh, those same things, Nathan. It should be very interesting. Okay, third email from Tom. The title is, I think I remembered the E this time, because Tom's the person who tried to send us an email at the wrong address once. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. You did it. Yep. Uh, Yay. It's, it's, it starts out with Sanderlanch, like Avalanche, but it still looks weird to me for some reason. I had to check my podcast reader multiple times to make sure it was right. Oh, gosh. Uh, I want to thank you guys for an enjoyable binge revisit of the Mistborn trilogy so far. I just caught up with your latest episode and I've enjoyed it so much. I totally respect the dedication you have. Uh, Someone who works in the eastern U.S. with regular meetings with colleagues in Adelaide and Melbourne. Is that that how you say those guys? Uh, Yep. Yep. Okay. Thanks. Uh, I know it can be challenging to coordinate times that work in multiple time zones nearly half a day apart. Plus daylight savings transitions were always a bit of a – oh, yeah. We had a whole thing with daylight savings. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Behind I the scenes on the Sanderlanch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck we, daylight yeah, savings. We had like <laughs> we had like five discussions about daylight savings. Yep. So like, wait, how does this gonna work again? Oh gosh. Especially because it wait, doesn't we... happen on the same weekend for us. Yeah. It's like two yeah. weeks apart. Yeah, you guys yeah. have so, like two weeks like, ahead of us. Okay, you guys are gonna go that way, and then when we change, we're gonna go that way. And then the day before the chat, we're message. Uh, sorry, the day before the podcast records, we've got a chat that's like, okay, so like this time tomorrow, is this yeah. right? Like that's, now? <laughs> that's how I have to do it because we talk about it over and over, and I'm like, okay, I think I have it straight in my brain, but I I'm not really sure. So just when we get there, we'll confirm the day before. It's like so this time, right? Like yeah, I understand no, like, what we're saying. The the one time we don't shore that up is the one time we're gonna fuck it up, and you'll be just, like sitting there for an hour going, where are those guys? And we're just like, yep. shit, we went for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay, but Tom goes on. I It was a bit infuriating to hear Jamie, Joe, and sometimes Dak when he lets himself swing for the fences, figure out these crazy big reveals way before the story serves it up to the reader on a silver platter. I was one of those readers who didn't connect everything until the story spelled it out for me. I know what you mean, man. I was the same for the most part. I think it's a testament to Sanderson's fair use of the mystery mechanics in the series that you first-time readers have picked up on so many clues. It's great to see so many theories pay off either as theories that the characters themselves come up with, or better yet, as the actual answers. Uh, Props to the first-time readers in the crew for the amount of self-control and patience it must take to limit themselves to reading these chapters in excruciatingly small bites, especially when the Sanderlanch, still looks weird, is in full force. I just hope they still are able to get the satisfaction of enjoying some of the WTF moments that I had when binging these books in a single sitting. You have no idea. Oh, man, yeah, it must be tough. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, let's be fair. I think we've discussed this... At length, if if uh, we were devouring the books like we normally would as as regular readers, then we probably wouldn't uh, stop to think and pick up on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, honestly, w- what's so funny is last week after we recorded, 
usually I'm 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 so into the Mistborn mindset after we record. I'm like, I'm just going to read those chapters now. I know I'll have to read them again before we get to the podcast because it's a week away. But I, I want to I read them now that we've been talking about them. Uh, last week, after we ended and I read those chapters, I just kept reading until the end of the book. And uh, because I was like, oh, I can't put this down now. Ah, so, it, it, yeah, it, in the... it's it's mean that you guys can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I may go back after we're finished and, and on my own time, just reread all three of them in a row. I'm thinking the same. Yeah. Well, yeah, and this is one of those things where it's like you pick up on a lot more clues even on reread. Maybe not for y'all as much since we picked up on so many on the way. But uh, anyway, so uh, next email is from Brian. Brian says, hey, St. Atlantic crew, discovered your podcast a few weeks ago and caught up on the most recent one today. It's been fun re-experiencing these books from a different perspective. Looking forward to hearing. And I don't know if uh, if Brian's from a different sort of place or if he's doing it intentionally but he came up with some interesting spellings of y'all's names. And then in parentheses at the end says, I hope I got the spellings right. So he spells it Joe, J-O-U-G-H. Then Dak is D-A-Q-U-E. And then Jamie is J-Y-A-Y-M-E-Y. J-M-E. You know what? I get very interesting spellings of my name, but I appreciate that there's many Y's yeah. in there. <laughs> Normally they you don't know, have Y. I'm used to Joe. I'm used to J O, but I don't think I've ever gotten a J O U G H. That's pretty awesome. He's like, I'm gonna start using that now. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it just reminds me of when I answer the phone and I say my name is Joe, and people say, Oh, hey, Gerald, and I'm like, How does Joe sound like Gerald? Oh, you, dude, I have got a list on the wall at work of all the names I've been called incorrectly at, at work. Someone once thought my name was Carlos. I'm like, how <laughs> the hell? Yeah. Like, did how you did get you get Carlos? that? That's, that's, For reference, that's that, listeners, way, I don't go yeah. by Dak at work, so. <laughs> but this does not help. Like, it, it still doesn't make any damn sense. No, it still doesn't make any sense. No, yeah. <laughs> But he, he, in in the spelling of y'all's names, he was saying, looking forward to hearing them react to the end of the trilogy. Wasing to the time of next, Brian. And then there's a PS. Data, have you considered increasing the number of chapters per episode when you get to Elantris? It'll be a little different when we get to Elantris, but uh, it's about the same size chunks of text. It's just that the chapters are very different sizes in Elantris, especially toward the end of the book. And he says, I'm really looking forward to when you guys get to the Emperor's Soul. It's a favorite of mine. Thanks for throwing this podcast together. So the Emperor's Soul is a short story set on the same planet as Lantris and is, I think, quite possibly the best single work that Brandon has done. It's really great. Whoa. And so I'm also looking forward to when we get to that one. Wow, yeah, that's cool. And actually, listeners, there are a lot of these books that I've uh, in planning ahead. I already know what Miracle of Sound songs are going to go with each book and story. There's some that I'm like, oh, yeah, this is definitely going. There's some that I'm like, I'll put this on there unless I find a better one later. Emperor's Soul is one that I have not found a good miracle of sound song for so if you guys want to suggest one that would work well with that feel free to send that in because i'm still trying to figure that one out for when we get there i think that's the the discord yet i i I almost did today and so that's why when i read this email i was like you know let's go ahead and throw that out there because we were actually talking about miracle of sound songs they were like hey can you maybe instead of telling us what story or book is next tell us what song's gonna be next and then we can try to guess which book it would go with that's cool i was like that is a cool idea although then you lose the like 
the you when you're listening to the first episode being like, oh, this is the song that goes with this because I, I got to tell everyone what book's coming eventually because they got to know before we get there for people following along. So you kind of lose any surprise at that point if you do it that way. So I told them, like, I'll, I'll think about that. Maybe that's a cool idea that we can put into the work somehow, but I got to think on it a little bit. But that is that was Brian's email. Thank you, Brian. Um, you know, the next two aren't too long. We'll, we'll just we'll just truck through all these this week, which will save up some room because next week I'm letting you know now right in the middle of the email. So for people who just skip over this crap and don't care, you're going to miss it next week. I'm going to announce exactly what we're reading next. And uh, when I reveal, I told you guys when I when I tell you whether or not I decided because it's been are we doing secret history next? Are we not doing it? And I told you guys. There was an email that helped me decide which way I was going to go. I will go back to that email next week and explain why I picked the way that I picked and what we're going to do. So to come back next week to find out what is next on our list. Uh, These guys already know. I told them, but for the audience. Uh, Our next email is from Sasha. And Sasha says, hey, Data, could you pass this on to Joe in the next episode? A lot of his repeating stuff I said to you already, but I want this on record. That's true. She sent some of this in an earlier email, but it was spoilery at that time, so she couldn't. I couldn't read that. Dear Joe, you wanted to know listeners' feelings about Spook. You wanted to know how anyone could defend him in full creep mode. I have ranted about stalker Spook before, but it was spoilers at the time, so Data didn't share. Now I can say the majority of what's on my mind, so here's my two boxings on this subplot. I have no problem with Spook in most of the trilogy. Not my favorite character, but I was never bothered by slang or self-esteem issues or awkwardness, except for one thing. I hate his stupid, creepy, Twilight-esque romance, quote-unquote, with Beldry. I hate that he's a peeping tin eye. I hate that he never thinks with his upstairs brain. I hate that Beldry's characterization consists of sad and naive and not much else. And I'm leaving out uh, some details in here that might come a little bit later. But uh, I think that that fits with what we've seen of her so far. Um, I hate that just when Spook is actually getting his own character arc, the thoughtful and awesome moments are interspersed with Drek. And yes, I consider Spook jumping out a window to rescue a child from a burning building to be awesome. I'm sorry that you don't. I hate every page that Beldry is on with the passion of a thousand burning ash mounts. So you want to know how I defend Spook here? I don't. I skim through these bits on rereads and pretend they never happened because even authors as amazing as Brandon have cringe plot lines now and then. And then Did I say I didn't like Spook jumping out of a building saving a child? I feel like that's not something I would have said. Yeah, I don't remember that. I think that we were like, oh, that's a super badass moment and that you were just kind of like, it was okay. I feel like that's the discussion. Let's go with that. But now I mean, hey, that. he saved a kid. I'm all for that. But yeah, Sasha, I mean, I 100% agree with you. It's it's difficult, you know, because I already had a bad taste in my mouth. And then he does. And then he lays this shit on me where he's just like creeping on this girl. It's just like it's not it's not good. You know, even Twilight, uh, the peeping weirdness of Twilight is uh, is different uh, because you're talking about a supernatural being, you know, their behavioral patterns aren't going to be the same as a person. So I I just, it's, yeah, you know, I'm with you. It's creepy, but uh, Hey, and I feel like I've said this from time to time. Let me reiterate. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I'm entitled to my own opinion and the readers and the listeners, you guys are entitled to your own opinion. Even if we disagree on things in the book, that doesn't mean that the books are bad or that they're, good or that spook is a bad character or that he's a great character just means we feel different ways about it and i just feel like i don't really like spook that much and the creepiness doesn't help creepiness doesn't make a character more endearing to you geez what do you want 
<laughs> a normal person that's relatable, maybe? I don't know. I like Sasha's PS is I'd take Ariane Ariane over Beldry any day. Ariane's personality may be annoying, but at least she has one. So that puts her one step up <laughs> on Beldry. Shots, man. Five. Yeah, got him. It, coins, it says, coins pushed? I don't know. Puts her one up on Beldry, and then the word swan is has a line through it. The cardboard cutout. Oh, I get it. Swan, like uh, Twilight. No, I, to- I totally get it. See, I, I've never read Twilight, and for some reason, when I read Swan, the first thing I thought of was um, Emma Swan from um, what's Once, show? Upon Once, Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time, thank you. Because mm, I, yeah. I I watched like the first three seasons of that show and really enjoyed it, or maybe four seasons, whatever. So that was where my head went. And I'm like, what's wrong with Emma? Emma's cool. <laughs> she was pretty cool. No. She's talking about the you know crazy teenager that falls in love with a vampire and uh, is super obsessed with him. But again, talking about a supernatural creature with a human girl, it's a different thing. I mean, read the Sookie Stackhouse novels. It's basically the same crap, even though she turns out to be a fairy or some shit. And our last one is, there's like three different names on this. It's signed to Salvador, so I'm going to go with Salvador. It's from Salvador. And it says, Dear Dak, Data, Jamie, Joe, did you guys notice that there are two D names and two J names? Uh, I think that's <laughs> yeah, funny. I've... Uh, that, yeah, that, that's, we've that's, commented that's been on the that. back of my head like since day one. I'm just like, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes we're discussing what order are we going, and I'm like alphabetical, and I'm like, oh, it's, they are really like there's two of them right next to each other, and then one further away in the alphabet. We got to think about that. For yeah. Time. Well, it's funny too because I think about that, and then where I work, almost everybody's there's name starts with a J or an S. Kind of weird. <laughs> Mine too. We have we have the J team. As, as hmm. you, you're going through in, uh, interviews for people, it's almost like you can pick them. They start with a J. All right. I reckon you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to get terrible. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, let's, let's, let's interview this person. Their name starts with a J. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, it says, I always think no, – I'm sorry. I always think that's funny. I read that. Anyway, just wanted to tell you that I much enjoyed the podcast and encouraged to keep on until you've read at least the Cosmere. I don't think that the other Brandon books are as good, but that's just my opinion. I disagree with you there. Salvador, I'm going to tell you one thing. One of my favorites is The Rhythmatist, which I I didn't read for the longest time because, A, it's it's directed at, like, a younger audience, and, B, it wasn't in the Cosmere. So I was like, I can just – I don't need to read that. Um, his other stuff's great. Eventually, I got so tired between – or I got so, like, impatient for another book to come out between one of his books and the next one. I was like, fine. I'll read it. And it is, it is one of my favorites. So um, I just disagree with you on that bit. Yeah. So can we read that since it's not a part of the Cosmere? No. Oh. Because assuming that we actually make it through the Cosmere, and that's a long a slog. Somebody, when I put up the Reddit thread, was like, do you actually – like it'll be like years before you get through all this stuff. And I was like, look, I've got it mapped out. Assuming nothing else comes out between now and then, and I know for a fact that there will be more stuff coming out between now and then, it would take about five years more for us to do the entire mm-hmm. Cosmere. So I was like, okay, well, I quit. Uh, I'm going to quit uh, <laughs> right now. So but assuming that we Wait. actually made it that far, I have outlined continuing into the non-Cosmere books. So the, the, the end game, if everything went as well as it could possibly go, would be that we would hit all the stuff that he's written, with a couple of exceptions, such as the, uh, the last three books of the wheel of time because I don't feel like you can read the last three without reading all of them. And I don't think we need to go through 14 books just to get to the last three of them. So when Dak started reading the wheel of time, I was like, yeah, go ahead. It's fine. We're not gonna, <laughs> that's yeah, not cool. on the docket. 
How have you how have you liked that so far, actually, Dak? Uh, it's it's okay. Um, I'm about halfway through the second book at this stage. And it's like it's 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 pretty good. It's not my favorite fantasy series I've ever read. Like there's there's a bit too much. Some of the dialogue is a bit blunt and just uh, they just, like in book two they've just picked up this one character. I'm just like, well, this person's evil. Why are we hanging around with them? <laughs> like like just shows up by getting attacked by a monster and is totally cool with it and is just like, yes, I'm coming with you to go find this ancient relic that I want to touch. And is just ordering them around. I'm just like, well, that person's evil. Kill him. Kill him now. Sometimes you just gotta touch an ancient relic. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> death, death, death. That's what Dax says. <laughs> but the rest of his emails, I also want to say that there's finally a group of people who don't like Spook like he's the second coming of Kelsier. I always disliked him. Goodbye, and sorry if my grammar is terrible. I'm from Chile, so my English is not my game. Hey, your grammar's pretty good, man. Don't don't worry. It's all it's it's yeah, all well, good. Uh, it's like I swear, every week we get an email from just like some country I never considered. Chile, yeah. that's a new one. That's cool. Yeah, Chile's uh, also a uh, relatively popular one. We were talking about Argentina last time, and Chile's right there. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, true. <clears throat> but anywho, so that was our emails. Thank you everybody for sending in those emails. That's uh, I love getting those, and so many this week that it was very exciting. So if anyone else wants to send us emails, the email address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the various places. Make sure that you're coming back next week to find out what we're going to be reading next. And speaking of what we're reading next, for next week, we're going to read five chapters. So 57, 58, 59, 60, and 61. So that will be for next week. Read along, and there is some there's some fun stuff happening. I think that... Uh, I'm, I'm hoping you guys will be excited by uh, these upcoming chapters. Musical by uh, musical by Mir- I fucking do that. Every yeah, day. he did a musical. <laughs> yeah, you know, music by Miracle of Sound, and wasing to the time of next, everyone. As the towers of steel and stone crumble to dust, the foundations of our hope begin to rust. Choking fear, screaming sound. The reaper comes to ground You turn to face it down Because you must And when